Today, we are talking duplexes. These are great pieces of real estate that can help you get started in owning investment real estate, but they come with their own set of challenges. We'll share our thoughts on duplexes as well as talk to an industry expert that has owned and sold duplexes for years during this episode of Flipping Awesome Podcast. Welcome to episode number seven of Flipping Awesome Podcast. Every week we share some of our experiences around a topic. We'll also talk to an expert or entrepreneur to share their story with us. This week's topic, duplexes. I'm your co-host, Heather Foss. I'm a licensed real estate agent in the state of Minnesota with Remax Results. And with me as always, my co-host and producer, Marshall Saunders. Hey Heather, how's it going? It's going great, Marshall. I'm really looking forward to talking about duplexes. But the first message to everyone is to check out our website, FlippingAwesomePodcast.com, and like our page on Facebook by searching Flipping Awesome Podcast. And please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast source you found us on, and be sure to rate and review Flipping Awesome Podcast. Heather, uh, what's your take and your history on duplexes? So duplexes kind of entered into my world probably about seven years ago. I started working with a lender and she was sending me these millennial clients who were carrying a little bit of student loan debt, wanted to find some flexibility in living, weren't exactly anchored down in their job yet, but were making good money. And we were basically selling owner occupants to a a lot of engineers. These were guys who were really obsessed about the the numbers and, you <laughs> right. know, making making everything work. And then, you know, they'd live there for two years and then they'd get up and, and buy another one. And mm-hmm. um, we started seeing this like pattern in these clients. We found that there wasn't really an environment in Minnesota for these new millennial investors to to communicate. You know, some of these older associations had older guys in them, and they just they, sure they it's just like was, investor type associations. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like that yeah. And we, we just thought that we we should put together an environment where um, it's a little bit more social. Um, we have more in common, and we developed this group called the Millennial Investor Focus Group. Oh, cool. Um, we would meet every month and work through numbers of specific projects and things like that, and uh, it's a it's still a uh, group that meets this to this day. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, and did they find that duplexes were kind of a good entree into the world of investment uh, real estate? Exactly. It lightened their cost of living. Sure. It allowed them to be a little bit more mobile. They didn't, they were nervous about if the market turned down again, that they would be stuck in a single family home and not be able to get rid of it. When you build in this plan B, you know, if you got a job in Seattle, you could go right. without any hesitation. Just find a renter. Just okay. find a renter. Right. That's kind of where things sit with duplexes right now is that they're priced at a point where a lot of these buildings need to go to owner occupants because some of the numbers for straight buy and hold investors, it's a little tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because things are kind of going for top dollar right now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's good and bad with duplexes, I feel. I mean, They're awesome in the fact that you get really good financing because oftentimes you're getting owner financing if you live and rent out, live in one side, rent out the other side, or whether it's an up and down duplex or what have you. You know, you get owner financing and that's a a little bit more lenient, a better interest rate, stuff like that. Also, you get some tax write-offs that are kind of cool. You know, when I go and I... 
when I pay uh, the kid, the neighbor kid, 50 bucks to come over and uh, uh, shovel the snow on my driveway, that's just an expense, right? Right. But if I live in a duplex and I have him shovel my driveway, I get to write it off as an expense for toward um, my taxes. Totally. So that's kind of nice. You know, you get some benefit from some of the expenses that you have on your own home. You get to write them off as tax expenses. It's all part of this kind of grand investment strategy that I love to tout, even though I didn't do it, and I regret the <laughs> I too. regret the fact that I didn't do it. I should have, when my wife and I were first looking at a house, we should have bought a duplex, yeah. right? Yeah. Rent out one half, we live in the other half. Live there for three, four, five years, buy another duplex, rent out both halves of the old one, buy, you know, live in the new half and rent out the other half. And we should okay. have just bought every four or five years, you do that. And, you know, you can upgrade to some really nice duplexes. Uh, I So some of this stuff in South Minneapolis was right. built in the 1920s. Right. Big four squares. You get giant rooms. Right. Beautiful woodwork. Um, yeah, we. I mean, I, I, I hold the same regret. You know, we actually, my husband bought his first house in 2005 and had a roommate. But mm-hmm. duplexes never came up. They were just yeah. they just weren't something we were um, exposed to at the time. And yeah. and now I see some of these guys who, yeah, they're they're in their early thirties, and now they've got three or four buildings. You know, just because right. they just casually move every two to three years. Right. I mean, and if you did that, let's just say every five years. So you're not constantly moving, but right. every five years you're you're doing this. By the time you're fifty, how many properties do you have? And put them all on a 15-year loan, you've got most of them paid off, that is a retirement strategy right there, regardless of your 401ks, regardless of what you're doing for work. uh, It is an incredible strategy that I just regret not doing. And of course, then I went into real estate and helped other people do it. Uh, Right. But, you know, there's some downsides too, right? You live next door to your tenants. You you share a wall with your tenants. <laughs> Being a landlord comes with certain responsibilities and certain negatives. Right. One of those negatives is sometimes you have to evict people and you have to follow a strategy by which you are constantly treating everyone the same. So if you're evicting everybody on the 20th of the month, and it rolls around to December, you are literally going next door to the wall that you share with somebody and evicting a family five days before Christmas. And and you have to do that uh, because if you don't do that consistently, you can be in big trouble for not applying the rules consistently and thus uh, coming under some scrutiny from uh, authorities. So it's a difficult thing to manage rental properties anyway. Right, right. Right. But when you share a wall with them, it can be a little bit harder. Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard some stories from some of these uh, millennials who are who are living next to their tenants and they find it hard to keep that emotional boundary. Right. When you're living next to someone, you hear the fighting, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, you have to see them every day. And so when it does come to ending a relationship, maybe on, not on great terms, uh, it's just a little bit harder. Sure. And let's say be, you become friends, right? You're cooking out in the backyard together. Right. And then the next day, the same person comes over and says, I am 400 bucks short this month on rent, you right. know, and it, it begins. And 
it is very difficult to say, absolutely not. You pay me up and, yeah. hey, I'll see you for beers tonight. You know, Yeah, build that wall back <laughs> right. up. It is a very difficult thing sometimes. So you have to be careful of that. You have to be extremely conscious of the boundaries that you create right. and, and keeping and maintaining those boundaries, even though sometimes it's nice to be buds and nice to be friends. You are the landlord, they are the tenant, and you really have to keep that boundary um, intact. And that can be very difficult when you share a wall. Yeah, you have a business relationship with this person. That's right. Yeah. And they're complaining about their, oh my gosh, my washer and dryer went out. Well, that's your washer and dryer. <laughs> or you left your clothes in that washer and dryer too long. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think one of the beautiful parts about uh, the duplexes is that they're they're mixed in with the neighborhood. And so you get this nice feel of single family homes and duplexes and it's not over commercialized. It's not it's not a ton of transient housing, you mm -hmm. know, kind of stacked up next to each other. You can actually get into yeah. some pretty nice residential areas. Yeah, you kind of blend in. Right. Um meanwhile kind of running this small little business. Right. And what's kind of nice, you know, cuz sometimes when you get into those nicer areas, the price tags go up. However, if you're owner financing, you can count all the rental income as well as your own income from your job toward the qualification of that mortgage. Right. You're living in kind of a nicer home than you would normally, uh, but because it's a duplex, you can afford it and you can qualify for the mortgage. Right. It's a beautiful combination. Yeah, right. And one thing when you're looking at duplexes, we're going to talk about in a little bit what Jason Reed is adding value to rental properties. Going into some of these properties and taking kind of antiquated or outdated portions of the rental property, like a sunroom or a back porch or uh, a den and making that into a bedroom. Suddenly you're taking a one bedroom and making it a two bedroom. You're making a two bedroom into a three bedroom. You come in, you buy that property at what is a you know a lower number of bedrooms and the accompanying value of that. You come in, you add a bedroom, you increase its rentability and the price that you get on the rent um, it's a really great way of adding value to rental properties and investment properties. It's such an awesome idea. Finishing that basement or adding something above a garage and boom, more income. That's a great way to add value to an investment property. But the first thing that anyone involved in real estate investing should understand is that you need to have a great team around you. Real estate lawyers, lenders, inspectors, tradespeople of all sorts. But first and foremost, a real estate agent. Heather and I have an elaborate real estate network at our fingertips of agents who put their customer first and truly know the best plan to get started in real estate investment in your area. If you'd like us to match you up with a great agent in your area, simply go to our website at flippingawesomepodcast.com and click on the experts link at the top of the page. Fill out the form and hit submit. We will only use the information to connect you with the best possible real estate agent in your area. It's a great place to start. Troy Martinson is a great friend of Flipping Awesome Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, he allowed me to sit in on an interview that he did for his own podcast, which is called Sweet Home Minnesota. 
and use it here for Flipping Awesome Podcast. The subject of the interview was Jason Reed, a real estate agent for Remax Results, and also called the Duplex Doctor. Jason is an absolute expert in the area of duplexes, having been ranked from 2012 through 2019 as the number one seller of duplexes in the Minneapolis area, as well as in the entire Twin Cities area. Jason and his team can be found by visiting their website at theduplexdoctors.com. I hope you enjoy this interview that Troy Martinson and I did with Jason Reed. Today we're here with Jason Reed, the Duplex Doctor. How are you doing, Jason? Super. Thanks for having me. A- absolutely. Thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, Jason. I started investing myself uh, a little over 20 years ago. Okay. I've been a realtor that specializes in investment property for 18 years. I, I sell more two to four unit buildings than any other agent or any other team in the Twin Cities. And that's it's been that way every year since 2012. So you know what you're doing. Yes, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> With that kind of time in the industry, I'd love to hear maybe a story or, or two about uh, some of the best investment um, strategies or, or maybe properties that you've seen maybe personally or, you know, helped a client with? Things change over time. Mm-hmm. I, when I first started, uh, the prices were high. One of the ways that you needed to actually make an, an income rather than, you know, just kind of break even, which a lot of people were experiencing in the in the early 2000s, sure. was to find a way to add bedrooms because if you can add oh. bedrooms to a unit a lot of times you can add uh, you know a significant amount of money either sure. in equity or uh, es- especially on a monthly basis you can increase your rent mm-hmm. the market has kind of went full circle where that was a strategy back when i first started and it's it's coming more into vogue as far as a way to actually utilize properties differently sure. there's you know there's a fair number of them that don't work that way because yet you add a bedroom and then you kind of chop up the floor plan and make sure. it less livable yeah. But I, I do see a lot of times that that's, that's a way that uh, – and, and even uh, it's an opportunity because virtually every realtor will list a duplex, triplex, or fourplex, but most of them are not thinking of it as an investment or thinking the same way that an investor does. So a lot of times they miss – on things like that where there might be a room that's off to the side that maybe is currently being used as a dining room mm-hmm. that would be better utilized as a bedroom. And you could add, say, three to $400 a month in income just from that change. Sure. I know some of the units that are built in like the 1920s, 1910s, 1930s, before air conditioning, they'll have pretty elaborate uh, either front or back sunrooms or built-in porches that oftentimes lend itself into a nice bedroom. Correct. Most agents are selling stuff on the emotional feel of a property. Sure. Whereas when you're more into the investment field, it's it's more of a logical way of looking at it and, and thinking, okay, what's, what's the best way to make more money with the same property? Sure. Sure. So add a bedroom, you add $300 a month or whatever, now you're adding to the to the gross value of the property. Correct. Really. With that said, what's one of the best stories you got for an investment property like that? 
one of the best ones I saw was uh, property was listed as a fourplex with four one-bedroom units. And they're really large units, and there were, you know, it's basically almost like a bowling alley type, you know, the 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 lane, I call them like a bowling lane where it's just all one open space. Sure. But the front, as, as Marshall was talking about, the whole front of the property was a, a sunroom, and you already had a dining room and living room leading to it, so it, it made sense to make that into a bedroom. And the the person that bought it was able to add four more bedrooms in the wow. property, and the cash flow went up by about fourteen hundred dollars a month for the wow. entire building, which was a huge difference. Yeah. One other thing I tell people: if if you're looking for an investment property, one of the biggest things you can do is look for properties that are under marketed mm-hmm. because you'll you'll see a lot of times agents will take really bad pictures or mm-hmm. a property won't look that good from mm-hmm. the photos or just a lack of photos. Most people will say, I'm not even going to go look at that one. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mistake because, number one, you have less competition because mm-hmm. there's less people. M- most of the people are acting the same way where they're sure. going, eh, I'm not going to look at that. Right. A lot of times that person is going to not realize the potential of the property right. and what, what could be done with it to actually make more money. What type of financing do you look at when you're buying a duplex? It depends on if you're going to own or occupy it or not. Um, if you're owner occupying a property, you can get in uh, with FHA for as little as three and a half percent down, or you know, say five percent with conventional. And then the the beautiful thing with that too is that a lot of people will qualify for different programs where they get down payment assistance. So I've I've seen times where people come in with a very small amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, even maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars to get in when they use one of the down payment assistant program programs to buy it. Hmm. Um, if you're an investor, you're going to pay anywhere from twenty to twenty five percent. You know, if you're if you're not living in the property as a down payment. In your opinion, what's an acceptable ROI on something as far as a an investment on a on a two or a four unit that would be like, hey, you'd bring this to one of your good investor clients and say, you know, let let's say eight or ten percent is is pretty in the stock market is pretty average or you know like a safe return. What would be, in your opinion, like a net return on a on a property that you would think is is a good you know a good property? I would say your cash on cash return, mm-hmm. it, it, and that's something that I would mm-hmm. look at more so than mm-hmm. you know a lot of people. Overall will, return, you look at cash on it, cash. Yeah, yep. I, I would. I would say you're going to be. I mean, depending on the area that you're in, you should be somewhere on the very low side of say six percent, mm-hmm. up to maybe twelve percent on the high side. Sure. You know, the, the return of say ten to twelve is going to be a lot more difficult, and it's sure. you, usually if you find something like that, it's something where you, it's a value add where you have to do something to actually get it, it to that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and real quick, would you just explain what what you mean by cash on cash? So let's say your down payment mm-hmm. is twenty thousand. Okay, and your return is essentially taking that into consideration where sure. 20,000 is your initial down payment cash and out then, of pocket yep, yep. and yep. then whatever you're receiving on a yearly basis as as your net would be divided by that 20,000 to get 
your cash on cash return. Sure. So you're just Makes you, sense. you're looking at, you know, my initial investment is 20,000. How much am I receiving each year to you know, th- that interest initial. on your cash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and the beauty of that investment is you're leveraging your money. You know, obviously the 20,000 that you're putting into mm-hmm. it, you're getting at least say like a $200,000 property. So mm-hmm. you're, you know, if there's appreciation, which I don't always, I, I don't tell people to bank on that, right, but right. if you have appreciation, you're leveraging Twenty thousand into a two hundred thousand dollar investment, right? And you, you can do that in the stock market, but it's really risky. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, is yeah. you can you can buy a lot more. Yeah, in real estate than you know putting twenty thousand in the stock market. Also, on cash on cash return, you got to figure out other things like uh, your closing costs when you buy it. True, and also any cost to fix up the property. You know, like if if you go in and you make a two bedroom into a three bedroom. You got to figure out the cash um, if you're not financing it. Of course, you got to figure that cash outlay. So you, you know, it's, it's really your total, total, total amount of cash out of pocket mm-hmm. to bring this up to speed, and then how much you can get from it from there. Uh, figuring the cash on cash return. Do you see the way rents and values have gone up so dramatically? Do you see? Um, still a lot of good opportunities out there. I do. I've been doing this long enough where a lot of times people will come to me, other agents will come mm-hmm. to me and say, I don't know what to do with this property. You know, can you sell it? Or, you know, this is what the person wants for it. And, you know, if they get that price, they'll be happy to sell it. And, you know, you see opportunity there. A lot of realtors are out of their comfort zone and just their their experience sure. in in duplexes, triplex, fourplex. They don't really know what they're doing, but they'll still list the property. Sure. And you have to take advantage of that because I, I, a lot of times I'll see people under list a property and you, it, it just, uh, or maybe the photos aren't good and the information that they put online sure. isn't good. And if you're not out looking at everything, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to miss out on a lot of those opportunities. Sure. I still think a lot of buildings are underutilized too. Sure. And wasted space or just, you know, like you said earlier about the bedroom thing, like, hey, we could easily make this into a bedroom and raise the rent or. Yeah. And and a lot of people that we're helping are owner occupants where mm-hmm. they're buying a property and maybe they're, utili- you know, if it's a single person or a couple and they don't mind having a smaller unit, they can actually live in, say, an attic mm-hmm. space that's, you know, smaller, but they sure. could utilize it as, you know, like a third unit in mm-hmm. a duplex uh, where, where it has three separate units, but sure. it essentially has always been used as a duplex. Sure. Or they could create a third unit. I, I've had dozens of people that have worked with me where they've bought a duplex and they've been able to instead of having the the overwhelming mortgage payment, they they're able to live in a duplex mm-hmm. or even a duplex that they turned into a triplex, mm-hmm. and they don't have a huge mortgage like everybody else. Sure. And it and it's allowed them to do a lot of stuff. I've I've got clients that travel a lot more. Sure. I, I have somebody's them. always there. The the neighbors there to you yep. know keep an eye on stuff while they're traveling and yeah. I think if more people understood how easy it is to do, they would do. Uh, they would start with a duplex sure. and then get their dream home, say three to five years later. Sure. What advice would you give to a young early investor? Maybe somebody that 
maybe doesn't even own a property yet. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to somebody just getting into the market right now? It's something to have some patience for one, but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. when when a good deal comes to you, I the, one of the biggest things I've seen novice people make a mistake on is there's a property that is a good price and they try to chisel down just a little bit more and then the owner gets frustrated with them and then before they accept that offer, another one comes in and then they lose out on that situation. Sure, so sure. I would go into it with the idea that you want to look at about five or six places to start with, just even if they don't interest you, just to see what the market's like, get a better feel for what the pricing is. And then when you do see a good deal, you'll actually understand, you know, because you've seen how these other properties are priced. Sure. So many people are afraid of like doing renovations to a property. And I mean, like if the foundation is messed up, that's something you might want to avoid if it's your first sure. time. But sure. There, there's there's always going to be something, right? Yeah. You get into these properties, a lot of them are older. There's going to be plumbing or electrical or, you know, maybe some roofing issues or insulation. There's always something. And That's I, the opportunity, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. I think the biggest mistake I see people that aren't astute at doing this is they look at the tenants as if they're going to be there forever. Yeah. And a lot of times you can use that to your advantage where... I, I mean, I've had tenants that are just completely horrible to the people that walk through the property. Mm. And then everybody kind of gets this bad mindset with tenants. And it's like, well, these people aren't going to be there forever. Right. You know, and that's that's something that I think a lot of times people attach the tenants to the property and think, okay... Oh, you got terrible tenants. I don't want to buy that property, and it, right. and and that's what everybody else is thinking too. And that's well, and from the tenant's point of view, who knows what they've been through with the current owner? Right. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they right. are kind of you know maybe they are kind of jaded because they've been right. treated poorly or ignored, or maybe some repairs, and then all of a sudden now it's on the market, and they're like, oh, geez, I got to get my dog out of here. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And so the, I, I think the biggest thing is their fear. I mean, I, I've seen that with fear tenants. of the unknown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I they mean, don't know if they're going to have to move right away. Even even when you tell them, hey, legally you have the right to stay there because you have a lease, sure. they don't they, they don't really trust a lot of times that sure. that's the situation. So yeah. then, you know, you've got this uncertain situation and you got people marching through your house all day long. They, yeah. they tend to get a little bit edgy. Yeah. And a novice person should look past that and sure. say, okay, the, you know, the tenant doesn't necessarily have to stay Right in this building long term, if if I don't want them personally, I own you know several uh, investment properties and have over the last twenty years. And when it comes to doing your taxes, boy, I think there's just a huge advantage to owning uh, rental properties. Depreciation, so, yeah, depreciation. <laughs> um, you know, even if you don't do some of these. Um, upgrades and repairs personally, even if you're hiring it out, boy, right. that's, it's nice to, right. to be able to, to use that against your, uh, your taxable income. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. You know, I mean, several of my clients have multiple properties mm-hmm. that they've, you know, the depreciation basically allows them to make income mm-hmm. and not pay taxes on it. And because they can write those uh, improvements and interest and things like that Correct. off of the, uh, yep, to yeah. counteract that, yeah. Yeah, and the depreciation basically works where, let's say you buy a $150,000 building and land's worth 50000 you're able to write off that 100000 over 27 and a half years. And obviously there's 
certain things that you can qualify or not qualify for. There's some people that don't qualify for that that write off, but sure. Basically, to me, it's icing on the cake. You know, right. if you if you're making a decent return on investment, and mm-hmm. then you add the depreciation, and then you also add the fact that you're paying down the mortgage, those all add to what you're actually making as a return. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily count on sure. the other two because I think they're just kind of an additional thing. The, the, the key is, you know, if I'm, I'm just first starting out, I want to make sure I have enough cash flow where it's not I, – I, I've known people that buy properties and they, they make a very small amount of money and then something comes up and they mm. think, oh, I'm only making 100 bucks a month. I hate this. Yeah. Gets them in trouble. Maybe it, they get – Yeah, or you have to pay for something that maybe is a little bit above and beyond what what your budget is to, to fix things up. You know, you want to make the cash is king, and mm-hmm. it's it, your cash flow is is the thing that's most important. Mm-hmm. I, I I still to this day just kind of cringe when somebody comes to me and says, "I just want to buy a place, and I want to make sure it breaks even." And I'm like, I, I just immediately pause and say that if you do that, you shouldn't. This is you something shouldn't you just that. shouldn't yeah. even consider. Sure. Well, Jason Reed, the duplex doctor, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Absolutely. Thank you awesome. for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks a lot, Troy. From Marshall and I, thank you for joining us for this episode of Flipping Awesome Podcast. If you'd like to ask a question regarding any sort of real estate investment, call us at 612-352-9177. Again, that's 612-352-9177. Or simply go to our website at flippingawesomepodcast.com. If you need to find a real estate expert that can help you find an investment property in your area, click on the experts button on our webpage. Also, visit our page on Facebook where you can find additional video content from our show. Flipping Awesome Podcast is produced and recorded in the studios of Minnesota Podcasting, who can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. Of course, any tax or legal advice given on this show is for educational purposes only, and you should always consult your own tax or legal professional to receive advice specific to your own situation. Thanks again for joining us, and until next episode, we wish you a flipping awesome week.